In episode 23 of Stack Overflow, Joel and Jeff discuss the Stack Overflow team's expedition to New York City, the seven crucial mistakes they made during development, and how to bridge the skill spectrum between beginning and expert software developers from IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. You know, there was some criticism of our previous podcasts uh, because I think people got mixed up about who was who. Okay, well, I'm wearing a little. I'm 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 wearing a blue striped shirt with a little thin little yellow horizontal stripes. Oh my God, they're vacuuming again! I can't believe it. I thought things would have calmed down at the office by now. Is it still chaos over there? It is still chaos over here. I, I've made it a little bit better by shouting at the furniture guy. Um, what they did is uh, they, they had to move a desk about 100 feet so that the building could polish the floor under the desk. And then they had to move it back. And they sent us a bill for $1,300 for that. What? And then I found out, after being already angry about this, I found out that they only sent one person to move this desk, and it was too big for one person to carry. So he went and got our system administrator to help him. <laughs> oh, that's great. So they send a guy over. The guy isn't even equipped to do the one thing that he's supposed to do. He makes us do the work. And then charges you $1,300 to do yeah. it on top of all that. That's um, nice. I, you know, I would say that this is sort of typical New York unions, building, ripoff, mafia, etc., except that uh, it's not really typical. This is the first time anybody has really tried to rob us so gratuitously. Right. So I, I assume you're not going to take that lying down. I assume there's some remediation policy here. Uh, the remediation policy is that we never write that check and problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I have, a, I have a vested interest in all this stuff being resolved before I get there because uh, I will be there tomorrow. It's not going to be. As, as will the rest of the Stack Overflow team, all three of us. So, um, Well, here's what's working. Xbox is working. Projector is working. Screen is working. Trouble is you have to wait till it gets dark to actually play it. Right. Because of the, uh, uh, wow, our, uh, the area where we put up the projector is, shall we say, sun-drenched. <laughs> and I, I, I like the sun Sun dappled, personally. No, I wish it was just dappled, but it's drenched. It's drenched. Um, the uh, the um, uh, yeah, so you can't really see the screen. And this was semi-intentional because I didn't really want people playing rock band because my office is right next to the sun-drenched lunch area. <laughs> so they well, can... I like that you have your priorities straight. The first thing we, we talk about having the office in order, and the first thing you go to is okay. How is the rock band setup doing? I, I like that about you. I like that you've identified that already as a priority for my visit. So I think we're on the same wavelength here. What else do you need? Uh, actually, let's talk about let's talk about your visit here for a second. Let us do that. You know, I, can I say that I was very surprised? So I I have had some emails exchanged with Charles Petzold. I am shocked that you have not met Charles Petzold. You both live in the same city. Yeah. He lives like two miles from you. That's true. And I am stunned. I for sure. I didn't even ask you because I knew. I was like, oh, surely he's met Charles Petzold. They live in the same city. You know, they're both notable figures in the development community. Surely they've crossed paths at some point. But you've never met him. Well, he's really a Win32 guy, and I. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know C. Is that what this is about? He doesn't know C. He knows C. Of course, he knows C. <laughs> Programming <laughs> All was real programmers. Too. All real programmers know C. Of course. But um, no, this is a good opportunity because we're going to uh, – on a lark, I just mailed him, and uh, it turns out he has a thin window for us to have lunch with him, and that's going to be tomorrow, so I'm excited about that. Right. Okay. Well, that will be the first time I ever met him. We should talk about the rest of our agenda a little bit because we have this um, – uh, what's the word? Filmmaker guy making oh. movies in our office again. Oh. So now the pressure is on. I have to look good because I'm going to be on film now. Mm-hmm. 
I have to like bathe and you know shave and all those things. Vertical stripes. Told- <sighs> Vertical stripes. <laughs> okay. Well, I arrive super super early, like because I'm doing the whole overnight flight thing. I leave at like 9 p.m. tonight. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I get in at, like 5:30 and I have like literally nothing to do because the other members of the Stack Overflow team, I think Jared gets in at like 11:30, so I'll be in like five hours before him, probably before anyone in Fog Creek is even awake, I'll be in New York City. This is uh, why it's called the red-eye, because you don't really sleep on the flight. Do you, uh, will you be able to go to your hotel at that hour, or are they like, yeah, come no. back to I mean, I can hang out there. I can just go to the lobby and hang out. I mean, you know me. As long as I have my laptop and internet, I'm pretty much done. I don't really need any other external stimuli. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably what I'll do is, I guess, come by the Fog Creek office, because i got nothing really else to do. I mean... There's okay. not really going to be anybody here to let you in at 5 a.m.? Well, not at, not at 5.30. I mean, like, at a reasonable hour, like, say, 9 a.m. Yeah. I'll just mill around doing whatever. <laughs> I didn't mean I was going to show up. At, I'm not crazy, you know. I'm trying to think what to, what to tell you to do in New York for four hours when all the normal people are asleep. I'll just fend for myself. It's my own fault. I, I thought I would experiment with this overnight flight stuff and see how it works out, but... I guess I just didn't really realize how early that really is. Yeah. It doesn't, the whole overnight flight thing is just an attempt to use aircraft that otherwise would be sitting on the ground. Right. And it sounds good, but I just never, I just never, I never do that when I have a choice. Well, hopefully I'll be able to sleep. I got up actually pretty early, very early today, so hopefully I'll be sleepy later and we'll see how that works out. But um, beyond, in terms of first day stuff, so Jared arrives, arrives at like 1130 and then Jeff arrives at like three, um, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have lunch with Petzold. And then what else did you want to do? I'm getting a copy of QuickBooks. You're gonna teach me how to use QuickBooks. I know you're very excited about that. Yeah, we should do that on Thursday. The the well, what else did you have in to do in town besides uh, you guys are going on tourism? I guess I haven't heard back from the other a couple other people I emailed yet uh, in terms of scheduling stuff. Um, um, I do have. Did I tell you the whole? I haven't told you this. So. I have this opportunity to speak at EclipseCon, which is in March. Oh, that sounds um, like something I did once. Maybe. Um, but the cool thing about this is that it's not just me, because that would be boring. It's actually me and Clay Shirky. And, you know, Clay Shirky's one of my heroes. So, oh. yeah, I know it's awesome. And we get to talk about, like, building communities online. And I get to talk about Stack Overflow and, you know, and the lessons we've learned and uh, get to present with Clay. And obviously, he's an expert, so. That's one of the people that I emailed, actually, because I thought it would be good if – because he's from New York City as well. Yeah. So we, we could, A, show him the site, and, B, talk about the thing we're going to do together in March because he needs to see the site to have some context. I mean, I I did meet him and talk to him about this earlier a few months ago. I think I mentioned it on one of the podcasts. Um, but that was before we had sort of even gone to beta, so there's really not a lot for me to mm-hmm. show him. Mm-hmm. But I would love to show it to him in person, so we'll see if I hear back from him or not. I don't know. Okay. Awesome. Um. Yeah, and then uh, okay, so you'll see. Uh, on th- uh, if we w- the, the the thing is, if we ever do anything, have we talked about the film on this podcast? Have I told you about this film? Uh, in the business of software, at the tail end of that, you talked a little bit about it. You you spent some time on it. We did talk about it some. So I oh, think okay. people, if they've listened to the last say two or three podcasts, will have heard some. And we're going to make this movie. So we're making a movie. There's a filmmaker running around. So anything that we do that's photogenic, <laughs> in other words, conversations between people, uh, anything but sitting at a computer and typing, uh, <laughs> they're going to want to film. And there's actually going to be two cameramen on Thursday, which makes it better if you're going to have like a little meeting or hang out, play rock band. That, that doesn't really belong in the film. QuickBook <laughs> doesn't really belong in the film. I want to get Petzold. I want to interview Petzold for this movie, but I guess I'll ask him tomorrow at lunch if that's okay. Well, uh, he has a his schedule is kind of weird. It's this is pretty much all we're going to get. No, I know, but he's uh but I mean he lives in New York. Oh, that's true. Yeah, oh, you mean later. Oh yeah, yeah sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sure. so we'll down with that. Um uh yeah, talk to him about the programming and stuff. Okay, so that's uh I'm crossing things off of my agenda. It's more uh you know how John Stewart always like crosses things off and well, he just big... does that scribbling. He scribbles on the paper. Right. Yeah, do some of that. All the all the late night TV people always have fake pieces of paper that they pretend to be checking things off of. Yeah, I never really understood that because I think they have like, isn't it like the script? Isn't it like some no, of the things they're supposed to be saying? Because that's not on like a teleprompter, right? Of course, yeah, of course. So that's just so, a prop at that point. It's just a prop. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know where it came from. It's they're probably they've probably been doing it since. I mean, David Letterman did it, and they've probably been doing it for so long. It goes back to they're making fun of somebody who's like the anchorman on the ABC Evening News in 1959 or something. You know, right. Well, I, I was always freaked out because I would learn that the, the TV newscasters and stuff, like, they wouldn't even wear pants. That always freaked me out. <laughs> of course they right? wore pants. No, they wore, like, jeans or something. I'm, I'm oh. exaggerating, obviously. But they would wear, like, jeans. They would just have, like, the top, you know. And they had those – I don't know if these were actually real, but some, some site online. I have no idea if this is real or a parody. Probably a parody. It was some, like, suit you could put on. Like, it was just – you know the front part of a suit so you look like you're wearing a suit it's like on the back there's nothing there it's only like you're the top half of your torso so if you're on a webcam or something it's like let me suit up for my meeting john you know just put layer this thing on top of you and it's like a classier version you know the tuxedo t-shirt which is yeah. like a class timeless look right like that but you can I, I was wondering about that you can when you're watching on television if you look you can tell that it's a real suit in some way i mean you can see for example that the that the jacket material is moving independently of the tie, which itself is moving independently from the shirt a little bit when the person moves. You so you know it's stuff? not just uh, sprayed on. Well, I was wondering about this particular thing just about a week ago, so I looked closely and realized that they weren't completely faking but, it. But you didn't realize they weren't wearing any pants. That's what she didn't. They have no pants on. Hmm. That's just... <laughs> sorry. I just, yawned, yeah, disturbed. sorry. I don't even know why I went there. Um, um, okay. Anything uh, else schedule-wise? I think we're the first day. I think we're good because are we going to have a dinner as well? Like all of us? Did you set that up? Man, all we're talking about is meals. Um, well, that's what it's all about, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, it's on my calendar. I didn't okay. set anything up. Good. Yeah, that's good. So you know, it, it's really a dual-use trip for us. One, it's a reward for the team for work in such long hours on Stack Overflow for basically crap pay. <laughs> um, so they get to experience New York. Um, and also, obviously, for biz stuff, where we can come down and talk about the, you know, what we're going to do with Stack Overflow and where we want to go with it and where it is and sort of the state of the, the union in terms of uh, Stack Overflow. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, yeah, as long as we meet those two goals, it doesn't have to be like a death march or anything. It can be pretty low-key. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have quite a few days because we, uh, we have part of, like, I guess, half of Wednesday, which is tomorrow. And then Thursday, Friday, and then we leave late Sunday. So. Oh, you got tons of time. And so far, yeah, we the weather. How's the weather? The weather's really nice today. If the weather is like it is today, uh, I'm looking it up. The forecast: uh, rain, rain, rain. Okay. Well, if the weather were going to be like it is today, it'd be it'd be just perfect because it's like a little bit cool, so you can walk around and. Cool. But it's clear. Yeah. Uh, so th- I've been to New York once, New York City once. Yeah. Uh, with my wife in December. Um, yep. And that's the only time I've ever been. I don't think Jeff or Jared have ever been. So they're newbies. So actually, I'll put this in the show notes. I actually might even make a blog post about this. But if anybody has suggestions for specific things, programmery things that we should do that would be cooler, I don't know, just anything. Honestly, we're up for anything. Um, I'll just leave that open you know, for comments and see if anybody can come up with some good things for us to do. Programmery things in New York. Oh, yeah, go to the Museum of the Sea program. Oh, wait, you don't program this. <laughs> Oh, maybe there's like a punch card museum. Those are they awesome. might have a children's exhibit or something, or like large print for people that don't know about pointers. You know, well, like there might a, be like a like sometimes they do geek dinners too. Like you know, geeks who do blogs or whatever would want to meet with us and uh-huh. talk about what we're doing and stuff. So and I know at least one person on Twitter has expressed interest. So yeah, put that on your regular blog. Just put it on coding horror, and you probably get a whole bunch of horror coders. Horrific. That's true. That's true, but you know, you know the way I look at this now is like stack. If you're not paying close enough attention to coding horror to know that Stack Overflow is like this thing that we're doing, you don't yeah. really deserve to know about it at that right. point. <laughs> like I, I don't really feel the need to like put a bunch of arrows pointing to this thing because I feel like the people who need to know about it find out about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you've heard my rant on this in the previous podcast, but yeah, I, I do like having the separate worlds there because I feel like coding horror is a much broader audience than Stack Overflow. Stack Overflow is really for the elite developers, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, okay, let's see. What else did I have on my list? Oh, here's another thing. So I'm writing this article for Inc. Magazine. I guess I should pop it up. Where do I Where do I store those things? Uh, for, I don't know. I'm, if, I'm, I guess if it's due on Friday, it's probably for the, you know, 2013 March issue or something because... <laughs> 
<laughs> it is true. They have huge lead times for print magazines. It's crazy. I actually have this listed as the November edition. So I'm writing about Stack Overflow, and what I what, what I wrote, I wrote this article. See, my, it's driving my editor crazy because I don't, I don't, I never conclude anything. I just tell a story. I never have some big old conclusion like, if you do what I did, you'll make seven hundred sixty-eight thousand two hundred forty-three dollars. But that's that was your goal. You explained to us that that's what you want to do. That's exactly. Perfect. So it drives my editor crazy, and then he sends me an email saying, "Yeah, but but what was the conclusion of this? And if you are willing to write that, at least tell us what you felt about it." So anyway, the theme of the story, actually, I won't go into too many details, is that basically we did seven things wrong with Stack Overflow in the development. We made seven mistakes. Uh, You want to hear what they are? Well, obviously, I'm all intrigued now. Yeah. Okay, so the first is uh, um, that I didn't really, when, when I did this venture with you, I didn't really know that you could program. Like, I never made you sit down and show me that you could code. Right. Okay, so there's one. You know, because I'm all about, like, you can't hire programmers without knowing if they can program. And you didn't find out that I can program. Well, I would argue this is not a traditional hiring relationship either, so some of those rules don't apply. Okay. Uh, Number two, uh, uh, co-location. I mean, we had programmers, gosh, all over. In just about every mountain range in North America, we have programmers stashed away. (laughs) <laughs> but, but basically, there's nobody on. There's no two people on Stack Overflow in one city. That's true. That's and I'm a, I'm a big believer in being co-located so that people can communicate. Uh, we never really had a spec, you know. And I'm I'm all about the specs. Uh, we didn't use a bug tracking database. That's kind of embarrassing to me. Um, we didn't have we didn't have any. That's because we don't have any bugs, Joel. We just don't have any. <laughs> That's how good it is. Yep. 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 Um, wait, there's one. I think. Oh, never mind. You fixed it. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> was never a feature, had, obviously. Feature. We, didn't, uh, we never hired a tester. We didn't have like a QA person or a QA department. We just let the world test for us. And uh, we, didn't, uh, we didn't do anything in terms of like creating a software schedule. Um, so the software schedule was, uh, you know, like a list, at the very minimum, a list of what you're going to do and how long those things take and at the maximum, break it down to small Features, you know, we just sort of said six to eight weeks, and then it took about twice that. But that turned out to be okay. And uh, was that seven? Uh, Well, that was six. I guess the seventh really is that it's kind of one of these eyeball businesses. And that was, you know what I mean? Like, we'll get a lot of eyeballs, and then yay, and then good things will happen. And um, that's uh, that that, uh, eyeball businesses are businesses where you don't really, it's not quite clear how you're going to monetize them. Although it is sort of clear to us, but uh, this sort of dot-com boomy seems like a mistake to try to make a business based on eyeballs. Um, Now, needless to say, Stack Overflow is a huge success despite violating every single one of these rules. Right. Well, I think there's there's this is a different kind of venture. This is like something that runs in parallel to your your regular business that you have going. I mean, even for me, it's kind of parallel to like I was explaining with Coding Horror. It's really kind of a different audience to me even than Coding Horror. There's obviously overlap. Um, but this is something that runs in parallel because if this is, it turns, turns out, had turned out to be a total failure, you know, I, I love doing Coding Horror and I would continue to do that. Yeah. So I think you're, what you're doing is you're, you're sort of sending out spores into space, right? So they need survival characteristics that I think are different then I think your mainline business, even for me with, with blogging, it's different. I mean, so the, the question is, oh my God, it's noisy here. Uh, the question is, uh, did we, uh, let's see, is, is it that this is a different kind of venture because we didn't really care if it succeeded because for both of us, it was sort of a second thing and we could afford to take more risks and so we were able to be just sloppy about this stuff? Or is it really the case that these kinds of practices that I described are just not appropriate for these quick you know, 1.0 web startups where you just want to throw something out there and see if it sticks? Uh, or is it the case that, uh, well, those are two possibilities. And I guess the third possibility is, um, is it just the fact that uh, you and and, uh, and Jared and, and Jeff are also smart that uh, and you got things done, that smart and gets things done trumps all, which is the theme of the article, I think, is going to be that smart and gets things done. Can well, overcome almost any unlimited number of screw things that you can do. 
Right. So I'm, I'm going to be forced to agree with you that you're calling us really smart. I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I regretfully have to agree that I think that's the reason. Yeah, well, uh, you could be modest and claim it all, and <laughs> you can be modest and, and give all the credit to your coworkers. No, no, no. I, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I think, gosh, I think I got a little sidetracked, but I, I agree with that conclusion. I think it's all about personnel. And somebody actually asked this question on Stack Overflow of all places. They were like, what sort of what factors make a project successful? Like if you mm-hmm. had to, like what metrics could you look at? Like lines of code, uh, you know, type of code, all that stuff. And and the thing he left off his list, and I pointed out, was like the big thing you left off was the people, right? <laughs> like if you have really good people on something, um, that turns out to trump almost all the other factors. And conversely, if you have like endemic personnel problems, you had like a really bad manager, or, like a really bad Apple, that can destroy you know, the best plans you can possibly conceive of. So mm-hmm. I think everything I do, f- f- starting from about a year ago, was about putting myself in a position where I work with the best people I can find, right? And I, I think that's everybody's goal. Um, but I think, it, I guess I was lucky in that, you know, I, I hooked up with you, which is great. Uh, you're one of my heroes. And then the people that I respected greatly from previous jobs, like people I would have handpicked to work with, on any job, I was able to get, right? So I think that would have to be the number one success factor. And then and then beyond that, to me, it's kind of like, and I hate to even say this because it's going to be weird, it's, it's kind of like art. It's like you know it when you see it. Like it, it takes the time it takes because we're building something that, that we love, right? That we, we are intimately familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. Like certainly longtime blogger. Um, you've spent a lot of time on Reddit. You had your discussion forums. These are topics we knew intimately, Right, mm. it's been. I mean, I could tell you just horrifying tales of me as a high school teenager uh, logging onto CompuServe and just learning about that whole world. Like you had your crazy IRC things. I had like basically hitting on middle-aged women on CompuServe. Right, so <laughs> they had women on CompuServe. <laughs> well, in theory, I don't actually know if they're women. I mean, <laughs> who actually knows? But my point is that we've been immersed in this stuff for a long, long time, and 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 it's kind of like art in the sense that I want to produce my take on the way I think things should be um, for our problem domain, which is, you know, programmers, not for the whole world, not like, you know, wiki answers or whatever right. but for programmers. So it was kind of almost like an art endeavor. And I think that's why I resisted a lot of the schedule stuff early on was that I just want to build something that I love and I don't want to be really pressured about it. Like I want to build it. I mean, it'll get done. Um, but I don't want to feel like yeah. hassled. Like I'm at a real job. <laughs> that's going to sound really bad. Um, but no, I enjoy I, doing it, and the enjoyment is what drives it. And if and when I talk to Jared, and when I talk to Jeff, you know, they're not really about what I pay them, which is very little. They're about they're building something, and you've pointed this out that more people will use the code that they're writing than probably anything. I, I can't see the rest of their lives, but it's this is a big project, right? What mm-hmm. else are you going to build that would touch this many people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know, it's I just a labor of that. love in that regard. I should look at. Have you looked at the Google Analytics uh, lately to see what's going on here? I have. Uh, the first day was really big, obviously, yeah. and then we trended down the whole week. <laughs> yeah, that'll always happen. And this yep. is and it, and actually, it's been going up. Like it hit a sort of a low point and then it's going up. It's real hard to see, but that has always been my experience uh, when something is working: is that you get a big burst of publicity, and so you, that happens at the beginning, and then if it doesn't work, it's just down forever. It, you will only trend down. Uh, if it is working, you'll hit some low after the burst of initial publicity, and then you'll slowly build. Right. Which, as of today, it looks like we're doing. So basically, the last three days, we've had 22,000, 28,000, and 49,000 visitors. Wow, that's pretty good, 49,000. Right. No, every day, almost, and I'm not exaggerating, I say almost every day, I get an email from someone who really had a positive interaction with Stack Overflow. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, either, Me too. Yep, either they got exactly the answer they wanted really fast, or they just like the system. Like, they, they like the badges system. They enjoy interacting with this, you know, the, the way we built the site, the really low-friction nature of it. So there's all these indicators, certainly, even if we didn't have metrics. Um, I think the one metric that mattered to me was, like, would I use my own system, right? Like, all along, I was like, I want to build something that, I would use. I don't actually care if anyone else actually used it, right? Like, I just want this system to exist in the world. Um, and 
that was always my metric, and it's it's very gratifying to hear other people have you know similar experiences. Um, by contrast, however, <laughs> think about some of the other things. I you know uh, I was just reading last night this review on Slate uh, of um, Knoll. Is that what it's called? Knoll. 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 Yep. Knoll. Which is not Knoll.com. It is Knoll.google.com. Uh, it was created by this guy, Udi Manbear, I think. Um, could that possibly be his name? Udi Manbear? Isn't that a character from, like, South Park? Manbear? <laughs> yeah, it is. That is uh, Udi Manbear, uh, who uh, was the uh, the A9 guy at Amazon. Do you remember A9? Amazon right. was like, we're going to be a search engine. I do. I remember that. That didn't go so far. And uh, they, they hired that guy away at Google, and... Um, probably much of his team, and they created this null thing, and, and Slate just had a, a, a pretty devastating article saying, you know, pretty much anything you look up on here, the, the content is just awful compared to Wikipedia, which they kept comparing it to. And I don't know if the goal was to make something that would replace Wikipedia or be a kind of a different flavor thing, but um, it's certainly not working, whatever it is that they're doing over there. Most of the reviews... Uh, of uh, null or negative. Most of the re- reviews of cool were negative, C-U-I-L. Right. Uh, and so the fact that most of the reviews of Stack Overflow are, you know, I tried it for what it was intended to be used for, and it worked. Well, uh, is, I think, great, you know, great news. I think we're doing better than either of them. So yay yes. us. Yes. This is just the, the, the self-congratulation podcast. We should call it Null. <laughs> And Jeff, <laughs> all about us and why we're awesome, and we, why you we, should listen to us explain why we're awesome. Uh, but no, it, it is really gratifying because again, I want this system to exist for purely selfish reasons. But I think every programmer should want the system to exist again for their own reasons, right? Like they just want answers to their freaking programming questions. They don't want to deal with a lot of stupid overhead and a lot of form logins or searching a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. They just want a quick and dirty way to put in a question and get a reasonable answer. Um, so I think it's a very selfish desire, and I'm just glad to accommodate it, right? And the fact that people enjoy it is also a testament to you know the communities that we built up of you know really high quality programmers that followed us, and they sort of followed us to Stack Overflow. So I think in a very real sense, the success of Stack Overflow, if it ends up being ultimately successful, is a testament to the community as well, right? Like having you know a really smart community of people sort of follow you to your next venture and seed it, uh, so you didn't have you know, just a place you go and you just see it's filled with idiots, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you went this place, and even if we had built something that sucked, honestly, even if it had sucked, I think we did actually do okay on the fundamentals. But let's say we hadn't. Let's say we built crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. There would still be some really smart people hanging out there trying to see what it is we were trying to do. <laughs> so I think, you know, we would have had to try extra hard to fail, in my opinion, because of the strength of our audiences. Uh, so... So we rule because y'all are smart. <laughs> it, it's just nice to have peers that follow you around that you actually respect is really nice. And I've always totally. been amazed about on, on my blog, like the comments that I get. I mean, it, it's it's amazing that there's these communities that form that don't think exactly like you do, but you tend to attract like peers, I would say. Peers that are at your level plus or minus 20%. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that. That's one of my favorite work experiences. One thing I'm actually very bad at, actually, some people are good at this, is like the whole mentoring thing where you're working with somebody that's really – and when I say below you, I don't mean in a derogatory sense. I just mean that they don't have as much – many years of experience under their belt or they're still learning the system. I'm very impatient and intolerant of, of newbies, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a horrible, horrible um, mentor. But I really enjoy – the flip side of that is I – enjoy tremendously working with people that are near my level. Um, and I do recognize there are people that are actually much better than me as well. So I'm not saying that uh, I can just go anywhere and work with anyone. But it, it only really works for me when I have peers that are similar level to me. And th- that was one of the interesting things to me about the blog was you tend to attract people near your level. And I think maybe that's happening at Stack Overflow as well. Let me take a question from a listener here. Hey, Jeff and Joe. This is Juma. I'm a computer engineer student at Santa Fe. Yeah, I was wondering how you guys handle, like, newbies and stuff, because I'm kind of a newbie. I know Java, but I'm learning C now. And if I ask uh, simple questions about C, am I going to get, like, booted off the side or something? Like, how, how are you guys going to deal with people who don't know 
about the programming language they're asking about, but they legitimately have actual questions about the language that they probably wouldn't find anywhere else. All right, thanks. Um, I really enjoyed the podcast. Bye. It's like we almost planned that. We did. <laughs> it's like we were actually. We didn't. We did not, in fact, plan that. It's like we were actually on the air. Well, one thing I will add to that is, so the whole reputation system, the whole voting system, is heavily, heavily oriented towards quickly answering questions. So if someone actually asks a really simple question, you can answer. That's like manna from heaven. Mm -hmm. That's like reputation from heaven in Stack Overflow terms. You want that to happen. Yeah. The thing. The things that I have problems with on Stack Overflow are the subjective questions that are really hard to answer. It's like, it just ends up being a discussion. I find those very problematic. I mean, I I tolerate them and we allow them because they're not wrong. But I much would prefer, I would much rather prefer that someone would come in and ask some really simple question about yeah. how to do something in Java Here's, or whatever. That's awesome. Th- I mean, this is that's perfect. Uh, this is the difference between Stack Overflow and like Usenet. In Usenet, it's the same group of people hanging around all the time and reading everything. Uh, or it was, is Usenet still around? But um, and if somebody came along and asked a simple question for the 800th time that they've all seen 800 times, the experienced people are going to be depressed, by, bored by this. Now, Stack Overflow works a little differently. One, as you type your question, there's a pretty good chance that if it really is a truly newbie question and you're phrasing it in a similar way to other newbies, that it's already been answered and you'll just read the answer there and you'll be happy and you'll leave without actually asking. Um, so you don't get as much duplication, although there may be some. Um, but, but, but secondly, uh, and this is exactly the point that you made, um, the people that are in there are looking for opportunities to earn points. And to get an easy question that they can answer quickly is, uh, uh, is great. They'll be, they'll be enthusiastic. I just loved... I was so excited when somebody posted a question saying, what's wrong with this code? It crashes sometimes, and they were just calling Malik and not checking for null. It was such an easy thing. It was such a trivial, I'm sorry, for a C programmer, such a trivial and easy thing that I was yes. like, yay, it's easy. And um, sometimes the newbie questions are so uh, so classic and so, I'm trying, trying to explain it, but like such a common misconception or such, an, such a frequent problem. Uh, somebody had a question which I answered uh, I was among the people that answered it, and I, I did one of my just combine other people's answers into a well-written answer or a, a, a more exhaustive answer. And it was just like, what's the difference between a statement and an expression? Uh, that was the question. And you know what? That's, that's what I want. That's that article. I want that article. Everybody's, you know, everybody's going to have questions like this. Newbies will always have the same questions. And if the question is phrased in a way that's similar to, the, to other uh, newbie the way that other newbies would phrase this particular question, then uh, you're really doing a great service by by kicking off, by asking a question that hasn't been asked before and giving people an opportunity to answer it. And, uh, you know, probably half the value comes from asking the question that everybody knows the answer to or just even putting it in words. A lot of um, A lot of the kind of questions that you see people asking that get great answers here are the kind of questions where there's, there's not a lot of keywords um, but Google is able to, so Google isn't able usually to find, like you don't know what to search for. You know, you get questions, a lot of times it's SQL questions. I want to create a query. Um, Doug Kay had one the other day. I want to create a query that returns, you know, at most one from each of these lists. Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but it was the kind of thing where there were no, there was no magic word that you could look for in Google or, or magic phrase. Um, and yet it's something that's, you know, let's say pretty easy for a for an experienced or uh, uh, you know an experienced uh, SQL programmer or a, kind of a working SQL programmer would well know the answer to this, and so that's where Stack Overflow works great. So actually, I kind of think that uh, we're a great place for newbies. Once again, yay us. Well, the, I think there's there's a skill ladder, and it's it's interesting because there's always people starting out at the beginning of the rep ladder. You have a continual influx mm-hmm. of new people. And they see the site, and they maybe post something, and then they sort of see how it works, and they realize you want to climb the rep ladder ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. Just A, to get recognition from your peers, which is always kind of fun, actually. Even if you took away rep, just seeing other people upvote your stuff is gratifying, period. It just is, right? Seeing that people like you is always gratifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more specifically, that they like your the, the ideas that you're putting forth, which is the important thing, not you personally. Um, so there's always an, an influx of newbies that are willing to answer new questions. So I don't think you have like the Usenet crowd where it's a bunch of really hardened, wizened, bearded, sandaled guys. 
that are just annoyed by all the beginner questions. I think you have a bunch of intermediate players in the system that are more than willing to answer the beginner stuff, even if the sort of high-level players have moved on to really esoteric and a, a different. They're playing a different game at that point. Um, but I think we accommodate all those yeah. levels. Yeah, here's a here's a related question from I think Richard in San Diego. This is Hernando from San Diego. A few podcasts ago, uh, Joel mentioned that he was doing code review for a young uh, programmer in his company. I was actually surprised that uh, a CEO would uh, do something like code review for a young programmer. I'm in a situation where uh, I'm in a small company and. I, I just feel that I don't get a lot of mentorship uh, from from the people in in the company. What would uh, do you have any suggestion on how to get mentorship? Thank you. Um, well, first of all, I should say that I don't do a ton of code reviewing. <laughs> That's not really my main thing, <laughs> and I don't always have huge amounts of time to do it. Although I do uh, try uh, uh, to do it uh, for, for people that don't. Um, ha- have a chance, but that actually over on the development teams, it's it's far more common. And so the uh, uh, interns, co-ops, and new hires get an awful lot of code reviewing, and uh, we try to even like rotate around the code reviewers. And this is something that we consider to be really important. The developers do it uh, in self-defense. Uh, you know, it's not it's not like a, a charitable thing uh, on their part. It's that if they don't teach, you know, it's the most efficient way to teach a new person on the team what level of code is expected of them because otherwise you're going to be fixing this code and you're going to be debugging it for the rest of your life. So it's really in your interest to train the new people uh, how to do things right. And one of the things that, that w- you really feel strongly uh, at a company that's at a high level of software development, you know, I noticed this at Microsoft, you know, when people are really good at, at, at writing code, is that there's just a big gap between where uh, you know, a computer science curriculum lets off or where people can train themselves from books and the web and so forth and the level of code that you really need to be writing uh, to, um, to, 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 to work at one of these companies, the, the, the quality of the code and the things you need to be thinking about. Um, I remember in particular one example where um, I wrote a simple loop. C programmers will, will recognize this. Sorry. Uh, I wrote a simple loop um, to uh, iterate over the characters in a string. So it was, you know, for i equals zero, um, i less than sterlen of the string, i plus plus. And, um, and this made sense, right? You're going to go from the beginning of the string to the length of the string. Um, now, uh, a string in, in C, uh, basically, I, I just thought that was fine uh, until one of the slightly more senior programmers came into my office and said, well, what's the uh, performance of this uh, loop that you wrote? And I said, well, you know, it does it once for every character in the string, so that's order of n. And he said, well, what about this Sterland thing? And I said, I don't know. It's, but wait, but, <laughs> well, but he's like, that's going to ca- that's going to calculate the length of the string in C, uh, because the C string ha- it, the the only way to know where it ends is to scan it looking for the zero. Um, that calculation of the length of the string in C is order of n for where n is the length. Well, it's actually it's a, it's a null, not a zero, right? Yeah, uh, you're looking for a, a. It's the same in in, in the original C. It's null, null and zero. Um, no. So uh, you're actually searching for uh, this this uh, yeah null terminating um, byte, and uh, therefore uh, my algorithm was actually order of n squared, and I thought it was order of n, and I thought, wow, you're actually thinking about the performance of Sterling. I never occurred to me that you should think about the performance of the functions that you're calling. That was just like. It was just like he opened a little door to me and said, well, look in here. You haven't cleaned up in this room. <laughs> you got to clean up in this room, too. Right. And uh, right. Th- that, that, that actually, just that one piece of code reviewing took me really far. And, you know, and I've spent – what's funny is I'll sit down with uh, everybody that I've ever code reviewed, um, and I'll find them doing things like uh, – this is something that I that – I, uh, my, my personal pet peeve. Literally every programmer does this until I tell them to stop. And that is they write some code that says if X, where X is some expression, return true, else return false. And I say, well, just re- replace that all with return X, where X is some expression. Why do you have to say if, then return false, else return, then return f- true, else return false? Why, why are you writing all those lines of code? Just return the thing. And the reason this is my pet peeve is that it's, uh, it shows a, a, a lack of really understanding of a Boolean as a first-class type. 
uh, when you're making that mistake, it's because you're thinking of an if statement as being kind of a special thing as opposed to just being, um, you know, you're, you're thinking of a Boolean as being a special thing that only goes in if statements and never, you're, you're forgetting that Booleans can be kind of passed around. Uh, so that's why it's my pet peeve, and I show that to everybody, and everybody suddenly learns that. And so there's a whole bunch of things like this to come out of uh, the first uh, round. You know, really, it only takes a couple of months of code reviewing uh, a, a new programmer who has, you know, let's say, experience from college or experience from books or experience from a not-so-good software company um, before they can rise to a much, much, much higher level and write much cleaner code, much faster code, and um, much more robust code. And so, uh, you know, in the last... Two, three years, the development team here at Fog Creek has finally learned that they really have to do that uh, much more intensively. Otherwise, they're going to get uh, programmers that write crappy code that they then have to clean up. So, um, so that's, the, uh, that's from the perspective of being a developer uh, in terms of the value of uh, these code reviews. It's just two people sitting down talking about code before, the, you know, before somebody checks it in. Um, the value, uh, you know, if you're, if you're the person and you're in a situation where you don't feel like you're getting the right kind of review you know, nobody's reviewing your code. You don't feel like you're learning. You don't really know. You know, I mean, the first thing to do is um, ask yourself, is there really anybody here I can learn from? You know, maybe you're in an institution where there really aren't very good programmers and they don't have that much to teach you, and that's the problem. Um, but that's probably not the case. There's probably somebody fairly senior there uh, who could probably teach you a lot, and uh, you just have to ask for it. And I think uh, I think a lot of them uh, would probably really enjoy being able to uh, uh, to teach to teach you and and um, you know there's no shame in going to a more senior developer and saying listen I want to I wrote some code and I know you're a lot smarter than I can but I'd really appreciate your criticism on the code I'm sure you can find three major gaffes that I made just by looking at it. And, you think this is how programmers talk to each uh, other? They're going to come <laughs> hand in hand and say, "Oh, so sir, I see that you are such an excellent coder. I myself am am barely adequate." And I was wondering, yeah. Well, what would be the real? What would be real? The ego thing is funny. <laughs> You're totally glossing over yeah, the ego yeah. thing, but but I I do believe, yeah. I mean, the value here is huge. So if you can find some way to make it work, and I think the way to think of it is is it doesn't have to be like a big production. No. Like let's take three hours, go in a meeting no. room. You know, just the next time you check code in, just go talk to somebody yeah. about it. Right? Go say, let me talk to you about this code. Let me let me talk through it with you. Because, I mean, how many times have you just talked through code and realized you made this huge mistake? Yeah, yeah. If you're like me, it happens every other day. You're like, oh. Right. right? Uh, so just think of it that way. Just go to somebody that you respect, mm -hmm. right? Even if they intimidate you and just say, hey, look, can I talk through this with you? And I think you'll find that people are pretty accommodating. Like they're One-on-one, -on -one, they're pretty, they're pretty yeah. accommodating. So. I, I do feel bad for people that they feel like they're in work environments. I got an email the other day from somebody. It was just this. They don't weren't even using source control. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, I was just like, pull the ripcord and just eject from the job if you're not using source control, right? But, you know, you gotta. What do you do? I mean, do you try to change the job? Do you leave the job? I don't know. It's 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 a tough situation, and I think you've said this on previous podcasts, but it's hard to know exactly the situation without sitting down and talking to someone. But those are definitely uh, warning signs if you feel like you're not learning on the job. To, and I would consider code reviews a big piece of that. You have to decide if you have any ability to get things changed or if it's hopeless. If you're in an organization that is uh, a big mess, but you feel like over time you'll be able to introduce source code control, introduce bug databases, uh, you know, write some specs for your own stuff, all the stuff that we don't do, uh, <laughs> or, or even just sort of improve. <laughs> it just improve. You know, if you're in a place that has lousy developers can you at least get the right to veto future hires? You know, can you can you at least arrange to do your own interviews of new developers where you uh, give them a programming test, even if nobody else is doing that? Um, and it's really a question of like if you can improve the place and you like it and you're happy there, go ahead and improve it. But at some point, there may be institutional reasons why it's just hopeless and you're never really going to be happy in that place. And then you might want to keep your resume up to date. Fog Creek is hiring, for example. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Hey, uh, I want to briefly talk about another topic. Yeah. It's coming up like a lot, like all the time. And that is pretty much every day now, I get an email from somebody on, hey, Stack Overflow is really cool. Wouldn't it be cool if you could license or somehow open source or somehow get Stack Overflow out into the world so we could have our own custom Stack Overflow? For our little technology right? to provide tech support. For our... 
thing where thing is yep. X, where you know it could be anything. And I mean, this is a huge compliment because people like it so much they want their own version of it, and that's that's a huge compliment. But what I've been telling people is essentially ask us again in three to six months mm-hmm. because I just don't feel like we're even remotely done with what we need to do. Mm-hmm. I think we're we have a reasonable v v point nine or whatever you call it. Um, but I think a lot of work needs to be done. And I think I saw an email that you sent out where you said that actually packaging up code so that it can be released into the wild takes a tremendous amount of work. Relative right? to the amount of work it takes to get it to work on one server that you control completely. Uh, making packaged yes. code that anybody can use and customize it and add their own logos and their own fonts and stuff like that, get it to run on their particular server situation. Uh, yeah, that's a huge you know, that's just a huge difference. And that's one of the things that makes Fogbugs, um, you know, it's probably, it probably adds up to a full-time developer on the Fogbugs team, basically the incremental work that we have to do. I would even go to, so far as to say two full-time developers on the Fogbugs team that do the extra work that's necessary because Fogbugs needs to be able to run on so many different uh, uh, customer servers. Oh, and let's say even one QA person. Um, so that would right. be a bunch of work. No, that would be a bunch of work for Stack Overflow. Let me say one other thing. I, I like the three to six months idea, um, but one other thing I should mention that I think my my experience is a little bit from this discussion group that we have with Joel on software. That you know the original way we decided to provide when we launched our first product, which was Fogbugs, we needed um, a really really basic. Uh, tech support system so that at least there would be some kind of discussion group where, where customers could ask questions. And um, so I wrote this little discussion group that became the Joel and Software discussion group code. And um, we uh, later re-implemented that as a Fogbugs feature um, where, it, where it really makes sense. Um, the trouble is whatever your technology, unless you're literally Microsoft and you have a product like Visual Studio, uh, whatever the technology may be, the chances are you'd and I hate to say this, you don't have critical mass for something like Stack Overflow to really work right with the badges and the voting and that kind of stuff. You probably just don't have enough people in your in your development community uh, who are going to use it to reach critical mass there. Um, and uh, what you'll see is that Stack Overflow, a lot of the features that make Stack Overflow successful, like the voting, uh, are going to be kind of meaningless when you only get two questions or three questions a day. And you may be better off going with some, something simpler like a, um, you know, like, like like the Fogbugs discussion forums or or just a general discussion, like a PHPBB or one of those discussion apps. Right. Yeah, there's certainly an issue of, of scale, right? I mean, it's it's a system designed for fairly large groups of people, so it may not scale down. We don't right. know. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but certainly. The other true. thing I've been suggesting to people sometimes when they ask for that question is like, listen, just send your customers to Stack Overflow and tell them to use this keyword. Now, that's not ideal because obviously they want to send their customers to a site that's branded and that appears to be official. They want to make sure that everybody gets an answer from the tech support team, from their in-house tech support team. Uh, there's a bunch of reasons well, why that's not necessarily the right answer, but I'm sure it's going to happen. Well, I, I assure you it will happen that in a matter of months that will evolve some programming technology where actually the best place to talk about it is Stack Overflow, just because whatever this technology may be, maybe it's some API that somebody makes. Uh, you know, maybe it'll be the maybe it's something like Apple uh, iPod development where everybody's under NDA and they're not allowed to talk about it. iPhone development. Uh, you know, there may be some, you know, there, there just is no official community or there is no good other place to talk about it. And Stack Overflow becomes the de facto gathering ground for that particular technology. Well, I have a caveat there. And this question actually did come up on Stack Overflow. And I thought that there was a really good answer that someone gave. And I think I'm pretty sure I upvoted it. And it might even been the accepted answer was somebody's asking essentially the same question. It's like we have this sort of niche specialized technology, but we really like the Stack Overflow discussion format. Can we have that discussion here? And I thought about it, but then then I read the first whatever the the accepted answer was, and I was like, wow, I really agree with this. And the point the guy made uh, was that's fine as long as what you're building would have applicability to the wider internet. Like somebody on the internet could download your tool and benefit from it. Like the more, like say it's some product that's that's very niche and it costs hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? Well, that's such a narrow community. I, I agree there's not a tremendous value in those people posting a bunch of stuff on Stack Overflow because it would just be noise. Like even if I accidentally got a, hit it in a search, it's still noise. Um, there's just no way that I would ever 
you know, there an audience would never really emerge for that particular technology. It's just a little too niche, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends so, on the, the the scale. Like, I think, you know, is SAP too niche? Probably not. Is no. Uh, how about QuickBooks XML programming? Uh, you know, it's getting niche. I don't think there are any questions on that yet in Stack Overflow. But um, you know, I, I probably asked the first question about. Um, uh, prog- uh, database uh, book databases where you can put in a book like this, the barcode from a book and get information about what the book was. Uh, okay. And I got a very good answer, which is, uh, you know, isbndb.com. Um, that's kind of niche, but you know what? In our in our audience, in the Stack Overflow world of 30,000, 40,000 people that visit there and maybe the 4,000, 5,000 that are very active there, uh, uh, there was definitely a bunch of people who had this answer for me. And, um, you know, maybe the community... Inside Stack Overflow, I mean, these niche questions get 30 or 40 views in Stack Overflow, but that's enough to get an answer because as long as search is working and the tagging is working, uh, it doesn't hurt to have a really, really long tail. True. I I think it just felt a little, maybe elitist is not the right word because I know that's not really what they're shooting for, but just the the barrier to entry has just seemed really high. Like if it was some just really obscure open source thing or something you could buy for like forty bucks, that's fine. But if it's some product that's like, you know, incredibly expensive and or like so rare that you would just never really see it in the outside mm-hmm. world, I don't know. It's I have some mixed feelings about that. I don't think it's wrong, but I think there's there's things that fit and things that don't fit there in that category. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna go start stomping on things. And I thought it was great that they actually opened it as a question, right? That it's kind of a meta question, which we frown on a little yeah. bit, but uh, I thought it was a good meta question for its worth. I would much rather have people ask than just start doing it. Last right? night, I last night I logged on to Stack Overflow and noticed that there's a raging debate um, because some of the moderators feel like if a question does not obey the rules of the site, uh, it should be deleted instantly. It should be closed. Is that the term closed? Well. No, no, no. Well, let's clarify. Okay, so deletions are pretty rare. So the only way stuff gets deleted, three ways. Um, it reaches the offensive threshold, mm-hmm. which used to be 10 and is now 5. Mm-hmm. Um, you yourself delete it as the author. That's possible. And then three, there's four moderators. You, me, Jared, and Jeff. We decided to delete it for some reason. So that's okay. deletions. So I think what they were probably talking about is closing of right. questions. Because we do have a pretty steady influx of questions that really honestly are not appropriate for Stack Overflow. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean it's the wrong question. You are a bad it just person, means that, well, you, know, you should see some of the emails. You should really, you should see some of the emails I get about this stuff. People are very up in arms. I mean, yeah, it, it's just it, not a good fit for Stack Overflow, right? It's not you. It's yeah, us, but, but, okay? but, 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 but well, well, here's my question. I mean, I, I guess I bring this up every week. Shouldn't it be enough just to let the peop- everybody vote down? Like, I think I would be happier if the way those were dealt with is people voted it down into oblivion, and that was the end of that, instead of somebody with a lot of karma decided that this was not relevant and then unilaterally decided to do something. Because I kind of prefer the, you know, the, the trouble is that, you know, are there, although there are official, I don't know if there are official rules, but there, you know, there's FAQs and there's, you know, there's things that we've stated, don't ask subjective questions, et cetera, stay on topic. And I'd almost rather see those things rather than have them be uh, codified in some way, which implies that we already know it, that we know everything that can possibly go wrong and that we've um, thought about every possible situation. I'd rather have that be a little bit more flexible where the kind of the community decides like, you know what, I'm just not into this today. And, uh, and they kind of, so, so it's, it's, it's always something that comes out of the democracy of voting. It's not something that comes out of the representational democracy of somebody who has a lot of karma deciding. Well, I think there's a really a mixture of both systems. I mean, I think, I, I think at a very high level, you do need people that sort of have learned the system and have a good idea of what it's about, sort of give direction to the, the new users coming in. Like the new users may ask a question, like here's one I close, let me give you an example. How do I find my IP address from, from my router? It's like, it's not a bad question, but it's not really a programming question. So I close that one really? immediately. Why not just leave it so yeah, that the next three hundred people that ask that question find out? Well, hopefully they'll find the the closed question stays around. So the the little hint mechanism is a the fact that it's closed, which is now there's a it's not really a tag, but it's appended to the title, so it's more obvious that it's actually closed before you even click mm-hmm. on it. It's a part of the title. 
Um, also, whenever you close, we, we've instituted a new thing where you have to give a reason that you closed. I realize we made a huge mistake early on. We gave no guidance oh. to people who had the close oh, power about what they should be using yeah. it on, which was a huge mistake, right? So I told Jared, I was like, we have to get this in tonight because <laughs> people are freaking out because they don't know Why they're what they're supposed to yeah. be doing. So what we did was we, we had a list of reasons, and you can see this now if you go on the site and you have close ability. Um, You'll see a list of reasons. Those are the only reasons something should be closed, right? Like, and the number one with a bullet is it's not a programming question. I really believe in this. Now, it can be subjective, but it, it has to be about programming. Well, how is uh, right? finding out your IP reason. address? I mean, that's something, you know, it's, a te- it's from code? <laughs> well, not from code. That's my thing. If they had said, how do I find my IP Program- address in code? <laughs> totally. This is, totally so, folks, this is the, the magic word is programmatically. Put that in the title. The other nice thing about the word programmatically, if you're ever searching for something in Google, you want to do something from code, and you certainly know how to do it in the user interface, the magic word programmatically, inevitably, it works in the Microsoft knowledge base. They'll always use that keyword. Um, okay, so... Uh, wait, yeah. wait, wait. You, you know you're joking. No, 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 that no actually I'm not joking at all. People... Right, right. Yeah. No, no, no. But have you seen the threads on Stack Overflow about what's the best programmer food? <laughs> I am not making Hey, the cartoon one was really good. The cartoon one, what's the best programming cartoon? What's the best programming yeah, Those things X? are what's enormously popular. We've got to have a few of those every day. Yeah. No, no, no. I, and I feel the same way. But it's not, a, program, like it's okay it's not a programmer question. So somebody somebody is going to say, and they're going to delete that. And those are the things that make, you know, those are like the rights of intensification, to use a term from anthropology. Those are the bar mitzvahs and weddings of Stack Overflow. Those are like you're trudging through all these questions. And what makes it fun is that once every couple of days, there's a bar mitzvah. Yes. And there's a pen, there's a fountain pen, there's a, there's a boy with a talus, he reads from the Torah, and it's, uh, you know, it's like special. There's some, some herring, they pass out some, some lovely fish to eat afterwards. Some wine. Mm, delicious. Yes. So, you know, that's, you know, obviously you don't want to fill the place up with these, but it is sort of fun to have, uh, that is, that is the, those of you with access to um, um, the, the, the box of knowledge, uh, type in rights of intensification. Vacation. I'm typing it in to make sure that, that works into Wikipedia, and you'll see what the. Uh... Oh, it's not in. Uh... You're scaring me with your highfalutin anthropology term. Not in Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. Well, can I give you another it's, example of what you're talking it's, about? It's, there was another thread on what was your first computer. Mm-hmm. As a you know whatever, whatever that was your fun. first People computer put pictures, is. and you could yes. vote. It, it was fun. Vote. No, no, no. I. It's fun. I'm totally for fun, but we have to have. Some boundaries in the system. I do not believe it's acceptable to have no boundaries about what can be asked. I believe that's a recipe for disaster because if, if people learn yeah. that they can ask what the heck ever, they're going to ask what so the heck let ever. The people, let I the think, people vote. Let the people vote. And I think what you'll see will happen is that for the most part, it'll stay on topic. When there's a what? delightful, no, 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 when there's no, a no, really no, no, delightful no. off-topic question, there will be people who are just like, I got to vote this up because I'm having fun with this question. I don't care. I you gotta okay. Here's the thing. You gotta win over. Here's how it works, and I've told people this. You gotta win over the audience, right? And the thing is, you have people voting that are just as clueless as the people asking the questions. So when you're saying, "Oh, just let them vote on it," well, you're gonna have a bunch of new people voting on things that they don't realize are not really what not we true. want. On disagree. The disagree with you totally. I totally disagree. I think it, it, it's a mixture of both, and I agree. We want the fun threads. I'm not saying go step on every little, you know every tiny thing that's out of line. And I do not think that the people that have this ability have been doing that. They've only been turning off things that were just egregiously over the line, in my opinion. I haven't seen a huge problem with I'll this. tell you what. Why don't you make it so that... I, I, well, I don't know what, what the change is here that I'm really describing. But if you discover that there is actually a problem that newbies are changing the community into something that we don't want it to be because they keep voting up you know, advertisements for Ron Paul for president then come back to me and say, how the hell did this advertisement for Ron Paul for president get voted up so high? Uh, I don't think that'll happen. I think that we can try. I think we can trust the community and that what the community will tend to do is they'll favor the programming questions. But when there's a particularly delightful and fun thread that serves as, you know, maybe a break or just the kind of thing, you know, there is something about, you know, for a community to work, it has to be a little bit, you know what, you had a post on Coding Horror about a biological uh, a thing that occurred between you and your wife, mostly to your wife. Yes. Very off topic. Well, yeah, so of course. So I'd like you to go and delete that, please. But 
you're not going. <laughs> if you're not going. To, no, but that's the bar mitzvah thing yes. you're talking about. Everybody does the first exactly. kid blog entry. It Everybody can't be. It Everybody can't be a community does. if you don't occasionally stop talking about the subject at hand and have. Right, but we do. But a personal that, even within the constraints of the people closing stuff, we do have those threads. Nobody has tried to close, nor would they try to close, you know, what was your first computer? Because it would be cruel. I mean, no programmer would do that to another There are people who have thousands and thousands of points who uh, have expressed opinions that make me believe that they think that those kinds of threads should be closed instantly. But they have not closed them instantly because they know they're very popular. I mean, I... At some point, you have to bend to the will of the community. I just think we have to shape it a little yeah. bit. I, I just think it needs some nudging, and that's that's. It, you're right; it's a fine line, and I don't know that we have it right yet. But I believe it does need some nudging. You do have to have somebody in there, not smacking people down, but administering, you know, light pushes in the right direction. Uh, and I haven't seen a problem with it yet. There could be. I mean, I, I definitely want to keep my eye on it, and uh, yeah. I take those very seriously. If, and what I've been telling people, if, so, if, if somebody closes their thing and they don't like yeah. it, vote it up. If something gets voted up, maybe there's a mechanism where it gets unclosed. Yeah. Some of the, one of the things that, that is kind of interesting is that you'll have uh, highly controversial things. There shouldn't really be anything controversial in programming questions. No, there shouldn't be. I mean, we have a we have a whole closed category called subjective yeah. and argumentative. Yeah. Not just subjective, but subjective and argumentative. That's that's yeah. Okay. Those are kind of no-win questions. We are running out of time. Did you have any other things we should talk about? Anything on your list? No. Do you want to talk about how awesome we are? Some more? Did we? I've already my my I have sprained my my arm patting myself on the back so hard. <laughs> I just don't know where to go with this. Wait, let's let Ian McKenzie do it for us from Australia. Ian McKenzie from Sydney, Australia, 70-year-old who hasn't programmed since Fortran fell out of fashion. Enjoy the program, and I just love the website, even though I've got nothing to say about it. It's just such a tight and interesting design, and the photographs are excellent. Keep going, fellas. Thanks very much. Thanks. You're welcome. Photograph. Did he say the, did he say the photographs awesome. are excellent? Yes, that was good. He was probably referring to that computer oh. thread. What was your first computer? Or the program cartoon Maybe. thread, perhaps? The uh, there are three Fortran questions on Stack Overflow, and <laughs> if you want to, uh, yeah, they're not really Fortran questions. They're more like what Fortran compilers are available. How can I learn Fortran? Um. Uh, anyway, I thought I'd throw that in because in the theme of just uh, how great we are. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, that was a good one. What else? Hey, um, if you uh, to the to the audience, I just want to mention that if you want to call in uh, with a comment or a question for us uh, to play on the show, uh, there's now a phone number set up. It's in the United States, so that's plus one for those of you outside of North America. Six four six eight two six three eight seven nine. That's six four six eight two six three eight. Seven nine. You can also record it on your computer as an MP3 or Og Vorbis file and email it to podcast at stackoverflow.com. And then our wiki. Do not forget. We have a wiki. We have a wiki. Uh, if you uh, would like to um, contribute a little bit to the uh, Stack Overflow community and you don't know how to answer programming questions, um, we've got this uh, wiki uh, site. It'll be linked to from the blog at blog.stackoverflow.com. And uh, what it is is a place where anybody can go and edit and add a little bit of a transcription. Um, and um, what shows up there after a few days, a bunch of people all over the world all contribute a little bit uh, to transcribing uh, what Jeff and I say on these here podcasts. And that's a very useful service because it allows people to look things up, to read them quickly if they don't have time to listen to the podcast, or just to kind of get a lot of the benefit of the podcast without having to sit and listen to us yammer for an hour. Uh, and also for uh, people that don't have the ability to listen to the podcast, that's a great service. Uh, many thanks to all the people that have been contributing to the transcript wiki up until now. Um, you can find that at stackoverflow.fogbugs.com. We usually have some other announcements. Oh, the site is live. Go to stackoverflow.com. Okay, that was easy. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, don't go there. Don't please don't go there. Really, don't want you to go there. And um, that's it for this week. And we'll talk to you next week. See ya. See you next week.
You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky. Our website editor was Jeff Atwood. The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.